Hi, my beautiful people. Welcome to the Brand Identity Design Business Podcast. My name is Jason. I hope you guys are having a fantastic morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you're in the world. So nice to catch up with each and every one of my lovely friends who are in the listening lounge. Very soon they would be up asking interesting questions to my guests with Phyllis William Strader. And I'm very excited to have part five of this mini series, The Power of a Personal Brand and How to Play This Game Right. So we've been we've been really crushing it with this mini series. I would say that you know Phyllis is really making this mini series uh, really awesome and incredible. I'm very very happy with the progress we have made. So uh, so this uh, this specific episode on part five, we would be dissecting things a little more further. We would be getting into communication, and I think I have. Uh, audience of of your personal brand in mind. These are two excerpts from from her book. So just in case, uh, if you're wondering which book are we referring to, so Phyllis was, uh, you know, kind enough to actually write a book called uh, the branding fuckery, branding branding boundaries and bullshit. But the branding fuckery is actually the six part mini series uh, which I titled. I'm so sorry about the confusion there. So if you're interested in buying this book. uh getting detailed review on what we been speaking about click on the three dots on linkedin or on the show notes you should be able to find it uh i would highly recommend you to guys to take advantage of this because it's practically next to impossible to cover everything in the book i want to say hi to vanya alia wade thank you so much my lovely friends thank you so much for joining this conversation and uh welcome phyllis you know welcome to the show Uh, thank you so much once again for making this a success. I put you on mute when I started the recording, so please unmute yourself and say hi to our incredible <laughs> listeners down in the audience. Hey, sweethearts! I was listening to their music, and I'm like, okay, this does not give me Beyonce vibes. So yeah, you, you know. Okay, okay. Me. Hear me out. Hear me out. I actually made a mistake. <laughs> so I had actually set it to play. a different track and i ended up pressing the mm-hmm. wrong button so the track which i intended on playing was something like this something like or actually all right thank you doing the thing with it yeah wait for the lyrics wait for the lyrics Yeah, so, so right. I, this is the one which I originally wanted to make uh, play, uh, but I ended up pressing the wrong button. So as podcasters, you know, sometimes when you make mistakes, just go ahead, don't apologize. It's okay. Nobody is gonna come to know when you make mistakes. So, <laughs> so that's the truth. So, anyways, you know, let's actually move on. So we've been having a very interesting conversation with Phyllis, and as you know, Phyllis is actually a well-known brand strategist. She's a heck of an entrepreneur. uh she will kick butts if you don't do it the right way and i i've been witnessing this from from the very beginning from the very beginning when i interviewed her till now so we've been having an awesome time so i know you guys are here to get the juicy side of our conversation so let's actually get into our topic so communication last time we spoke about communication we went through it we did not actually go through it completely Mm-hmm. So from your book you say uh Phyllis that communication stands as a bridge between your brand ego and the perception of your audience. Uh mm-hmm. it's through communication your brand personality is conveyed. You also mentioned that this process is not solely about flooding the platforms with your content 
which most people think they should do, like in including myself, I also make that mistake. Rather, it involves crafting a distinctive language and a tone that directly connects to your core message and your audience. So keeping that excerpt in mind, I wanted to understand how do you ensure uh, your brand effectively utilizes communication to bridge the gap between its ego, which you have been speaking about in the past few episodes, mm -hmm. and your audience perception. You know what? Um, one of the things that we were talking about offline um, was when people communicate, they usually do it, especially when you're an entrepreneur and you're doing marketing. Your communication style is usually one way instead of it being um, in instead of it being a two way street. So when you're trying to use and you're trying to bridge this gap between you and the audience, you're not listening. And is and I think it's because we're behind screens and because we're trying to put out content and so forth. We know we we seldom go back and listen to what people are saying. And even when you get crickets, and by that I mean you don't get any comments. Even when you get crickets that's a form of communication. It's like either they agree with you or they don't agree with you. you. It's up to you to figure out which ones get it. And if you can go back and look at like, okay, nobody comment, but this person actually took the time instead of just, because a lot of people quick click. So all you ever see is the thumbs up. But if you see applause or if you see the heart, that's a different type of communication. That means they took just a few seconds more to actually give a little more uh, communication to you. And when, when you first start talking about communication, there is, okay, there's written, there's verbal, there, I mean, there's verbal, there's nonverbal and all these other things. But if you're going to fully step into your communication, like I listen to Cass's TikTok sometimes and she has such a soothing voice. Fuck the business side. She has a soothing voice, but it, but her communication is very clear on her being ethical. And so when I listen to her talk about these things, if she has some type of call to action, then it's very clear to me that, you know what, if I respond, I respond ethically. And that because that's going to get her attention. But a lot of times, like I said, we far too often, we're only looking at our communication and the content create as one sided. We never look for someone to engage, even in doing the whole heart thing and saying that, you know what, I heard you and I appreciate what you said. And if they don't say something negative or, or, or positive, it doesn't mean that they're not communicating. But a lot of times, and I'm using a lot of intentionally today because usually I try to curb it, but a lot of times, the only time we hear from people is when they complain. And they're complaining because they're dissatisfied. And so their communication is one way. They're telling you, you fucked up in some way that made me feel some kind of way because evidently it made you feel the need to complain. You may have done everything that you normally do, but what they're saying is that they didn't get the result that they were promised. So if your communication comes across as one-sided where you're just spitting out something that they think that they need, but you don't deliver on that thing, then your communication is unclear because uh, it, it's the other side that we tend to, to shy away from. It's like, I'm the expert. I don't need to, I don't need you to, I don't need to listen to you. You need to listen to me. And if we get caught up in that side of it, then like I say, we're not relying on brand ego. We're relying on personal ego because brand ego is like, like I'm expert enough to actually listen to someone else's opinion. It, it doesn't change your framework. It doesn't change your process. It doesn't put anything else on it, but because I'm, I'm here in brand ego, I already know what I know, but I want to know how you take 
what I know, how you receive what I know, how are you putting this information to use? And the, the biggest form of, of, because we're always looking for key metrics, but the biggest form of, of response that you will see is someone taking action. If you're putting something out and you're just saying, this is what I said, and you see someone taking action on it or they tag you in it, that is their way of communicating that I heard you. Now, it's still your job to go back and say if they were correct in what they had and what they said and, and how they heard you, because you can't just leave them hanging in limbo. It's like, dude, you got what I was saying. I so appreciate that. Because if you do not do that, if you don't correct an, a wrong narrative, then you're letting something be perpetuated, which is why so many people get caught up in brand image and saying that your, 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 your brand is what people say it is. If they're saying the wrong thing and you're not correcting it, then sweetie, you're letting the wrong message get out. Your communication is not clear because they're telling people one thing and you're telling them something else. And then they come back and say, well, I hired you because so-and-so said, okay, well, what they said was wrong. And to correct them on the call when you're trying to book them as a client is the wrong time to do that. And while I may be, be very blunt in how I communicate, I'm very succinct in how I communicate. If I tell you, if I put on your page on that, I'm just putting you on front street, I'm going to blast you and say, bitch, you didn't understand what I said. That is all wrong. That is not good communication. Because now everybody's checking for you like, what the hell? But what you can do is going to their DMs like, you know, I so appreciate you shouting me out and all this stuff, but I think I made something may have like gotten lost in translation. So is that what you heard me say? Ask them for clarification. That is how you communicate because then they can still go back and say, you know what? I was so wrong. We had a great conversation after and dude had to check me and let them call themselves out if they choose to. If they're just trying to, 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 to make themselves look good based on what you said in your communication then it gets lost because nobody is trying to bridge the gap between what you said was your mission or whatever, however you're doing your brand. If you said one thing, but somebody's saying another, the way you control that and the way you bridge that gap is like I said, you got to continue to communicate. You can't just put out the content and let it hang there. If you want to check back in, it's like last week, I, um, I said this, this, and this. Did you guys get what I was saying? If you got what I was saying, just put a put a um a hands uh like tell them to put an emoji in the comments. Putting yeah, in thumbs an emoji up, thumbs up emoji is yeah. the react button which is right at the bottom of your screen. So let's have everybody react. Even if you don't like it, please react. <laughs> Everyone, you know, let's cheer up for Phyllis. You know, See? just react just for the fuck of it. Please react. <laughs> <laughs> and bridging that gap is always controlling the narrative. And some people are afraid to control their own narrative because they're afraid they're going to they're going to offend the audience. Sweetie, I am going to be offensive if you get my shit wrong. I am offended that you even you didn't even take the time. You just put some shit out there. So you're allowed to be a bit offended. But like I said, I'm respectfully rebellious. I'm not going to check you on here, but I will check you in the DMs. It's like, sweetie, I think you got it wrong. Did, is, did I miscommunicate? Did I not make myself clear? And you can ask. Because when you ask for clarification of what you said, then you know how to better communicate the next time. And while if they if they if they just heard you wrong and they're trying to put their own stank on it, that ain't got shit to do with you. They just choosing to be fucked up in how you communicate because they want to. You know, people change the meaning of words all the time. That's not what it means to me. 
oh my God, are you serious? The definition is right there in the dictionary. You didn't even read the dictionary. So you're going to change the definition. So they try to change the definition of your brand. Your job, again, in bridging that gap is to make sure that your audience understands. If you don't ask them every now and then, then this goes to a call to action. Am I clear? Did y'all get it? Anybody tried this before? And some people will come along and say that they tried it. The people that are trying to live off of your clout, though, and y'all know who I'm talking about. Y'all see them in the comments. They're trying to make themselves look good on your platform. Oh, well, this is what I do. And they just try to steal the show. That's different than them actually saying, you know what, dude, you said this one thing last week and it really changed how I did this thing this week. That's clear communication. That's controlling the narrative and that's bridging the gap. If you're not trying to bridge that gap, this is why your mind, your, your brand lives in people's minds any kind of willy-nilly way they want to. And if and you're, you're a small, I hate small business, you're an independent business owner. And so everything that I talk about, when I talk about your personal brand being a parent brand, about being an endorser brand, is to make sure that, the, that you control the narrative. And that is what bridges the gap. If you create content around somebody getting it wrong, it's like, you know what? Last week, I, um, I said something like this. And this is what they heard. So let me be clear. And now you get to make new content off of what's, what was misunderstood and how you feel like it was misunderstood. That's bridging the gap. As long as you let the wrong information hang out there, as if it does not matter to you, as long as people are engaging and giving you thumbs up, then, sweetie, you're diluting your brand. And you're letting people form their own opinion instead of making sure that you at least have some control over it. Now, you cannot control people. You cannot control what they think. But you can control the, can control the narrative. That is bridging the gap. Your audience has a perception. Y'all perception of me, I have no idea. Some of you have worked with me. I have three of my, like I said, three of my brand babies are in the room. Cass, Angela, and Vanya have all worked with me. So how they perceive me? Is different than all of you here that have listened to me for the past few weeks and, and not engaged with me. How I communicate with them on one-on-one is different than how I communicate in public, but the narrative still has to be the same. If you don't have that, the last part of what we did the last time was core to, um, what was it? Um, core. Yeah, thank you. I couldn't even remember my own shit, mm -hmm. but core, uh, code, Code, code to the core. Code to yeah. the core, yes. Code to the core. Code to the core is about making sure that you control the message that goes out. Making sure that people understand. I don't give a fuck about mission, vision, values, and purpose, and all that kind of stuff. The narrative of what I'm putting out here is that this is a thing that I'm trying to fix, that I'm trying to impact, that I'm trying to change. And what you said is not conducive to that change. So, again correcting the, the narrative in a respectful, rebelliously respectful way. You don't have to call them out. You know, all you have to do is say, you know what? I think I did some shit wrong because my message was not clear. Let me, let me rectify this. A person that is always clear <clears throat> when I read Kezia's content, I know that chick is a verbal identity consultant or coach or, or however, whatever her title is that she, but she does verbal identity. She's making sure that you use the right words. And so, like I said, I'm going to shut it up. But communication is more than verbal and nonverbal, especially for you guys that do videos. Some of y'all, 
and I'm not even saying y'all in the wrong, but some of y'all, for whoever listening, y'all boring as fuck. And if boring works for you, then sweetie, you, you got to learn how to even play up boring. It's not saying that that boring is not a thing. It's just saying, well, damn, nobody's checking for me because you put no personality. You know what? Letting people know, you know, I know I'm fucking boring because y'all don't get this shit. But for the people that do, let me give you some boring ass information. Own it. Because now they understand that when they when you talk that, you know what? I'm boring, but I'm humorous. I'm boring, but I'm sexy. I'm boring, but whatever that thing is. Verbal and nonverbal is a thing. If we get into the whole thing about, you know, let me let me let you move on to the next question because I can stay on communication <laughs> all day, every day. Because it, it's such, it's, it's something that, that we all just gloss over. We figure that we put out content so that we're communicating. We figure somebody gives us some type of engagement, we're communicating. And there's so much more to it in when you're controlling the narrative of your brand, when you're controlling the narrative of the message that goes out. And even when you look at look at it of whether you're you're aggressive or assertive or passive aggressive, sweetheart, all of that plays into your communication. I like petty communication. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry, I just do. But I don't bring it to my brand. So communication and bridging the gap is making sure that the communication controls the narrative making sure that you're respectfully rebellious when you have to check somebody about your shit. That is not who I am. That is not what I do. That is not what my brand is about. So let me go back and and fix this. And that is a story that you now get to tell. You know, I, I had to fix my shit a long time ago because people weren't understanding what I was saying. They were not getting the full thing that I was putting on. I was putting shit down and they wasn't picking it up. That now becomes part of your narrative. So that people clearly understand where your brand is coming from. All right. I'm I'm, I'm really done this time, Jason. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Um, I, I think, you know, that's exceptional level of information which you have provided. I do have a sound effect, a new sound effect, just to say thank you. Oh, Lord. You. What is it this week? What is it this week? All right, so, <laughs> so this is actually from a song by Beyonce. If anybody who can guess this, the name of the song, just send me a DM which song this specific dialogue is from. It's sung by Beyonce. Uh, I think it's it's a pretty cool track. All right, so anyways, you know, I wanted to actually thank all the individuals you know who are joining our conversation, starting with uh, you know Brian, Jay, Roshan, Cass. Aliyah, Wade, Linda, Angela, Jay, Mike, Kezia, Vanya, Matt, Marcello. Uh, I, I think I saw my good friend Denzel who was down in the audience. Lisa, thank you so much for joining. Lisa, when do you sleep? She's always <laughs> active. I have no I idea. She's from Australia. She's always <laughs> away. <laughs> so what do you say? Shout out to Sakshi and Denzel. Thank you so much for guys, you know, for joining this conversation. We're speaking about the power of the personal brand. We, uh, you know, you spoke about communication and you went into such depth. Uh, there are a lot of listeners geographically, you know, who listen to my show may not understand the terminology of being a cloud chaser. Would you mind elaborating? What does that mean? <laughs> Cloud chasing. Oh my God. This is when you don't have, um, you don't have enough of your own juice to get the job done. And this goes from attracting the right clients to getting paid the right amount of money. 
and all of that. So you attach yourself to someone who is already doing what you want to do. And what you end up doing is actually placing yourself in their shadow because you're trying to chase clout. You're trying to be seen with them. You want to be on the same stage as them. It, that whole clout chasing thing is very superficial. And with me, personal branding is a very personal thing that you can't take personally because a brand is an asset. So your, your personal brand should be treated as such. So when you go out here clout chasing, when you go to, to like one of the, the tactics that people used to tell you to do on LinkedIn, they used to say, oh, find somebody who's doing what you do. And whenever they post something relevant, then you go into the comments and you make yourself sound good. You make sure that you comment so that you can be seen within their, when they're free. Now, mind you, I am not against borrowing anyone's audience. I am not against that. That's a totally different vibe. But it's when, when you have the invitation to borrow someone's audience that you can truly shine because the person of status is actually recognizing you and say, you know what, come up here and talk to me versus you going into their comments and trying to do all of these things and trying to be numero uno on somebody else's shit. And so you're chasing clout. You're chasing all the famous names and sweetie, your name is getting lost in the process because everybody sees that you're trying to hijack their shit. So clout chasing just means that you're trying to be you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. That's the oldest version of that. You're trying to make sure that everybody sees that you have the same amount of money, you have the same amount of things, but nobody's checking checking for you because you're clout chasing. And the people whose speed that you do this on, they know that you're doing it. I had to point it out to somebody in the DM. She said, I never noticed that. And she started, she went back to her feed and was like, wow, people are really down in the comments trying to make themselves look good. Because you have a small audience and you think you're going to grow your audience by putting out information on somebody else's feed. When in actuality, you can comment on it. But again, know the difference between clout chasing and, and creating good content, valuable content. Nobody asks you to regurgitate what they said. Oh, that is so good. Because what people need to do is this, this, and this. Nobody asks you for your opinion. They came to hear him or her. That's who's who was all up. That's why he has all the likes and all the the what whatever going on with it. So chasing clout is not a good thing. Build your own clout, your expertise, your ex your experience, and your education. That's your clout, sweetie. You just got to know how to use it and market it in such a way. When people are using looking for USP, part of how you communicate that USP, you don't drag out your whole laundry list of bullshit. You have to know how to use that shit strategically. So I'm going to shut up because, again, I talk a lot. Come on, Jason. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is really nice. This is really nice. So what if, if somebody is doing cloud chasing and they are subconsciously unaware they are actually doing cloud chasing? You know, so, so, uh, the example which you just provided about a friend, she was unaware of it. So what would be some of the ways how you can, like, figure out uh, like this would not be the right thing to do, and uh, if you do this, you know that this is what would appear. Would you suggest something for people on LinkedIn, like what they on can LinkedIn? do? Yeah, let's 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 talk about LinkedIn. So let's talk okay. about yeah. So if you're cloud chasing on LinkedIn, most of your content consists of um, reposting, and I'm not saying you. <clears throat> that you do it once a month or whatever because something's good, but I'm talking all you do is repost, then sweetie, your originality is not coming through. They're just seeing you as a person that curates content. And some people, that's what they want to do. They want to curate content. But if that is not your intention, 
to repost somebody else's, someone who's famous on LinkedIn, reposting their shit all the time because you're trying to be seen by them because you want to work with them, reposting their shit all the time, that's clout chasing and it's not going to get you anything. You'd be better off going into their DMs. It's like, you know, I really love what you do and I would hope to one day work with you. If they answer fine, if they don't, still fine. But at least now they know that you actually reached out to them instead of just always constantly reposting. And if you're trying to have that engaging conversation, sweetie, the call to action is to actually go in and ask. You know what? Can we? Do you see us working together in the future? Because I'm trying to build up whatever it is that I'm trying to build up. And some people who have a good heart that have already established the numbers financially, socially, whatever it is, they'll be like, yeah. Come on, I'm gonna I'm I'm bring you here next time. Other people that are that are just, you know what, they're fine with being top dog, they're not gonna say shit to you and they never would. So that type of cloud chasing is not your thing. Use, use it to highlight something positive or negative about it, but do not just make that your, your go-to for everything. Another way of cloud chasing, like I said, this is you going into the comments and trying to write a synopsis of what the person said in their original in their original post. They've already said it. Why did you need to recap? Why what did, what good did, did that do? If you're trying to recap on somebody else again, and we're talking LinkedIn famous. We're not talking famous overall. We're just talking LinkedIn famous. What good is it what good does it do you to recap? If you want to recap that badly instead of putting in the comments, again, use that as a repost. Or use it to, to, to go back and tag them in some way. Make an original post and saying, you know what? Last week, so-and-so mentioned this. I want to elaborate based on, on my thoughts. Because a lot of people want to be seen as thought leaders, but you don't give us any fucking original thoughts. But you'd rather, like I said, playing in somebody else's comments who was already LinkedIn famous is not a thing. Reposting is not a thing. Trying to run your numbers up. I had someone reach out to me. And I'm sure they listen to your podcast, so they're going to hear this. Um, I had someone reach out to me to help someone because she was trying to get to an arbitrary number on LinkedIn. I'm trying to get to 3,000 follows or connections. Connect with me. Bitch, I don't want to. You have nothing of value that that makes me want to connect with you. And the thing about it is you were putting out the right content, you will get to that number. Or you wouldn't even give a shit about that number. But because you feel like social proof is the only thing that adds value to your funky ass life. You go around and you asking people to connect for the sake of, you know, I'm trying to get the 3000. That is clout chasing. That is not adding value to anybody. And so you, you go out here and, and like I said, I'm speaking from my own experience. This may not be yours, but the people that I connect with, trust and believe if I connected with you, it was very intentional, very intentional. I do not just accept a connection request because somebody sent it to me. I feel that there's either going to be some value there at some point or there's already value there. If I don't see the value, there's no point in connecting. And I'm talking about two-way value because people will connect just because, you know what, I want to run up my numbers. And here, here's the thing I know a lot of y'all don't check for. People will connect with you, but then they'll unfollow you because they want those numbers to stay up. I don't know how many of y'all have ever noticed that. I noticed it. And I'm petty enough, and this is when petty Phyllis kick in. This is not ghetto country. Petty Phyllis will go back and unfollow your ass too. Because I'm not here. I was here because I thought we could exchange value. But don't sit up here and try to use a connection request to do an unfollow so that your numbers can look good. And especially when you're not adding value. 
but some people are petty enough to do that. Again, that is clout chasing. So those are just three versions that I can think of off the top of my head of people trying to chase clout and make their numbers look good, make their connections look good, make themselves look good. Brand ego is not me looking good personally. Brand ego is the services that I provide looking good. That is about me being an endorser brand for grandma's house. Sweetie, the services that are provided over here are to make you look good in the way that you want to. People are afraid to, when I, when I, when I used to ask the question, what do you want to be famous for? People get nervous by that question. Okay. The thing about it is if you're not famous for it, you can't sell it. You have to be famous for something. At least one thing that you want to show up for. I don't care if you offer 10, this is the one I want to be famous for. So that the hundred or the thousand or the 10,000 people know you for that one thing. They will come back for other shit. But that one thing, oh, you are so on point and so fire that, you know what? I get it. I get it. I went to her for this and I got that. But clout chasing does not add value to you or the person that you're doing it to. So that's my two cents on that. <laughs> I, I i totally totally agree with you and and mm-hmm. i think patience is the virtue i think if you are trying to build uh, a relationship uh, with your audience i think it, it takes time you should give your audience time to learn to process to find out what you are who you are what you're trying to do and value those relationship and value uh, what you bring and i I would highly encourage listeners who are listening to us, you know, especially the ones who would be coming up on stage to ask questions to Phyllis. If you have examples of different style of cloud chasers, do not hesitate to share it. It might be of value for somebody who is listening to our conversation. So let's actually go back to our original topic on communication. So mm-hmm. you stated on in your book uh, about different level of communication, and there are quite a few. I wanted to specifically address uh, and ask you about actual engagement and this is within the realm of brand ego by the way mm-hmm. so, so yeah. you speak about actual engagement there are quite another mm-hmm. few points but along with that you speak about empowerment and call to action i found these mm-hmm. three to be very interesting not the other ones aren't but i found mm-hmm. these ones to be very interesting would you mind speaking about what is actual engagement maybe you addressed that in in you know in in previously also and what is empowerment and what is call to action let's hear from you no problem. When you're talking about communication and actual engagement, a lot of times what I see is that when people reach out or they comment, you're instantly trying to sell. And like I said, I usually speak in in like present tense, so I'm not actually talking about you guys in the room unless it just happens to hit. But you you create you create something, you put it out there, and then unless it's actually something that you're trying to market, a cl- shut up, cast a class or a workshop or a webinar. It's not your time to go in and say, oh, let me send them a DM and see if we can work together. That is not that is not actual engagement. That is you falling straight into sales mode. And while it may work on some people, if you are not building an audience that actively like, oh, you know what? They're ready for the sales pitch right after this. If you have not cultivated that type of audience, then it's a, it sets a bad precedence. But if you want actual engagement and you send at everybody has a tactic for LinkedIn now. It's like, you know what, if somebody says something on your feed and you go into the DMs and you start a conversation, that part I agree with. But when it goes to start a conversation to get to the sales conversation, to get to the booking, the discovery call, no, 
because I'm still, it, it takes me longer to discover. Now, mind you, if I'm on the discovery call, that can be anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour, depending on how much I like you. But it does not take all that. It's like people that that stay engaged. And I'm sorry if if this rock falls and hits anybody, I apologize first off. But <laughs> it does not take five years of engagement to get to a marriage. It really does not. Okay. It, if somebody really wants to marry you, trust me, it does not take them five years. And if somebody truly wants to engage with you, if somebody actually wants to spend money with you, it does not take all of that. Because they will find something that fits their budgets. Like, you know what? I know what your prices are, but this is my budget right now. Is there something that we can work with? And because you know your process and your framework so well, you can have actual engagement where you can give them what they ask for at the budget they ask for. Nobody's telling you that you have to change your prices. No one's telling you to give a discount. It's saying based on this budget, this is what I can offer. And it's because that stuff is not forward-facing. Nobody has to know but you and your client. But people act like, you know what, this the price is the price. Miss me with the bullshit. That is not you engaging. That's not you trying to, to, to be something for this particular person or trying to provide this service. This is you trying to hit some arbitrary number and making sure that you, you, you're seen as a hard ass on this particular thing. And so that, that takes you into the whole empowerment. You've actually lost power because you've decided to be a dick. Now, my prices, I, my prices are right there on my, on my front page. And if you decided based on what you saw that, you know what, I can never work with you, that is your perception, which again, you cannot control, but I can control the narrative because I can say, well, depending on what you need and how you want it, sweetie, I'm willing to work. But if it starts to interfere with my clients that are paying me full price, then we might have to readjust our arrangement because I'm the one that gets, I get to choose. I love it when certain people don't have all the money and I can still work with them. It's like, okay, let's set a budget for this. And based on this, this is how we're going to alter this a little bit. If you want to go through my full process, it's going to take you longer. But hopefully, if we get to this certain point, if you've been taking action, if we get to this certain point, then that means that at once we get to this point, you're making more money, which means you can pay for a price. And that's that's your option. That is you having actual engagement. That is you actually getting somebody in your door that would not have been making money otherwise. And that gives you a brag. I ain't above bragging, so just know. But you empower the person that, that you're engaging with, but you're also empowered to make the decision of whether I want to or not. You get the, you get the, the, the chance and the opportunity to, to take on this thing. You know what? This is what I really said I wanted to do. But I'm pushing everyone else away that can't afford my price. Sweetie. Where's the power in that for you? Does that like just make you feel like top dog? Or is it actual empowerment to be able to, to influence the industry that you said you wanted to influence? Nobody's saying that you got to be dogmatic about everything that you have. There's shit that you put out that's forward facing, but there's also inward facing things that nobody needs to know. Who I work with and how I work with them is none of anybody's business. I have clients that I do way more for. I have and um, I have a client that I call my bratty brand baby because he's the one that is, and he listens to this sometimes. He's the one that sends me um, emails at four o'clock Eastern time, 4 a.m. Eastern time. And depending on what I'm doing, I respond. But because I choose my business model to be what it is and because he's paying, trust and believe he's paying, he gets to do that. 
And I, because I like this level of, of engagement with him, when people have questions and so forth, it becomes a thing. And so how we communicate becomes a thing. His team was sitting on a call with us while I was communicating with him and we were going at it. We're, I'm like, we're not doing this. And he's like, but you, and it, it, it becomes not a, a, a clash of wills, but it's an actual conversation of agreement and disagreement that his team gets to witness. And it's, it's, that's how I communicate with him. If I had someone that was more soft-spoken and how I actually engage, you know what? I, that, they will lose all their power because I'm rough around the edges. So that's where I have to be the more caring self, the more empathic person. I'm still going to tell you to get off your ass, but it's a different style of communication. And anyone in the room with more than one kid, they know this. This is where your parenting skills kind of can come into play because you know you can't keep, treat all your kids the same. They all have different personalities, even though they all need the same love. So that empowering them and empowering yourself to do something, like I said, it leads you to the call to action. And the call to action is whatever you need it to be for them. You know what? I might do, I might do a one and done session and let it be a thing. So if I do the one and done session and I'm going to do this, and I, I tell people all the time, and Alexis laughs at me, you know what? I don't give discounts to strangers because they have not earned it in my eyes. This is something that corporate America does in order to keep up uh, market share because they want to be the top dog in the industry. I'm not competing on that level. I don't have to give discounts. It's not a requirement. So when I do, I give it to people who have already engaged with me. And that is my choice. Again, that's actual engagement. So understanding these different types of ways that you communicate, and especially when you're doing it from a place of brand ego, instead of personal ego, it differentiates how you communicate with the people that you do business with. It does a thing for you. It makes you feel, like I say, it empowers you to have more control over your business and your brand. Because the thing that I want people to see, and I want you to stop taking ownership and become a leader. And a lot of us don't know how to lead. And this is the difference between a business owner and a business leader, a business owner and, and, and a, um, a brand leader. It makes a difference in how you show up in all these different places. So like I said, the, the call to action, you have to figure out what those are for your particular brand and business. If your call to action is, you know what, let's jump on a call. How are you asking people to jump on a call? And are they understanding that as a form of communication? Or did you say, like the, the message I got this morning, dude sent me a, a message saying, I do video, and I'm giving you the very short version. I do video. I think I can help you. You need to have more action. And I actually wrote back to him, dude, I think you need me more than I need you. Because the video <laughs> I do, his communication was off. It was straight off. And it turned me off. But again, like I said, I send it back. You need me more than I need you because evidently you don't know your audience that you're sending out cold emails like this. You are that person that throws darts in the air and hopes it hits a target. That's not how you play the game. That's wrong. So absolutely, absolutely. I totally agree with you 100% on that. And I, I do want to cover as many things as possible in this episode. I know, and I keep talking too damn long. <laughs> that's all right, that's all right. Because we are getting somewhere. I think, you know, it's beneficial for people who are actually listening to us. So my next question, again, you know, it's because you speak into, in your book, you speak into the importance of uh, being transparent, having respect, 
uh, I don't know how to spell this word. Uh, receptivity. Receptive? Yeah, receptive. Yeah. Yes, receptive. <laughs> okay, in communication, and uh, these are kind of you. You claim that these are kind of boundaries you need to set by your mm-hmm. brand ego. So my question yeah. is that how can uh, such personal brands effectively uh, manage these boundaries? in this world because here i have noticed that there's a lot of public scrutiny and feedback and information and such feedback are much more accessible and frequent than ever so mm-hmm. in this landscape how do you manage all of that uh, in being transparent um i think transparency in business is a lot better than vulnerability to a certain extent because if someone tries to call you out on some shit that you did whenever you did it part of being transparent is owning it's like oh wow you found that really well that was a long time ago let's talk about it and being transparent in that instance and it's not a level of explanation you do not have to justify you do not have to explain but you can own it all up and through because someone who's trying to be petty enough to make you live up to some old shit you did is petty as hell and that is a petty ass move that is some troll shit and while some people like i say if you're still doing that shit then yeah, you need to be called out on it because you're you're perpetrating a fraud. But if if it's something that you've moved on from and that you've grown from and that you can make it a part of your business story, like I said, I can I can relate a whole lot of my life to to how I got here, to being the ghetto country grandmother, and so forth. And like I say, I can take it from my whole days all the way up to today, and how I got here, as as being the grandmother. So me being transparent about my past means that you can't use it as a weapon. Sweetie, what? You want to know who I did and where and why? Okay, that's intimate detail. That's not transparency. And that ain't none of your fucking business. But to be transparent and own that, you know what? Yes, I was young and dumb at one time. Were you not? It's like, can we go back to he who is without seeing cast the first stone? Really? But it's, it's that level of transparency. I'm not embarrassed by anything. I don't have any regrets. And I can't have any regrets because you know what? If I had not done the dumb shit, I wouldn't be doing the good shit that I do right now. So to to try and live in, in that world and trying to let somebody control me based on my past, that's some fuckery stuff. And so the, the thing about it is when you owned it, when you own it, that's when your respect level goes up. And it's like, wow. Because if even if someone tries to, to beat you over the head with and they keep bringing it up, and it's like, really, you have nothing better to do because you get to, I, and I hate being the bigger person sometimes. I, I promise you, I hate being the bigger person. But in those instances, it's easy. It's like, wow, you have nothing else to say about how I do business or the re- results my clients get. So you're going to try and browbeat me with my past. Seriously, let's give you, let's give you a round of applause because you are working hard to make me look bad and it just is not working. That's a whole level of, of crazy that people want because, you know, is people will respect you for owning your flaws. And this is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm not I, I, I appreciate AI, but trying to use AI to totally pl- um, polish and make you flawless. Sweetie, that's that's a misrepresentation. That's not you being transparent. I am flawed, which is one of the reasons why I don't do a whole lot of editing, editing when I do do my podcast, because how I speak is how I speak. I'm not, I'm not eloquent with my words and I get that. 
So to try and make my podcast sound eloquent would be fake as fuck. That is unnecessary. So people respect me for owning the fact that, you know what, my first language is bad English. It's not saying I'm not educated. It's not saying I'm not certified. It's not saying that I don't know my shit. My first language is just bad English. Everyone else can have the good English and the proper English and the good enunciation and all that stuff. We both good. It's just a matter of, you know what? Everybody got a flavor that they want. And I may be your flavor, I may not. And that's cool. But you real respect the game. And you have to be the first one to respect it because I see a lot of entrepreneurs out here that disrespect themselves and they they try and limit themselves. And I was just talking to, to Linda. She's down there. I was talking to Linda today and we were talking about how do we put, oh my God, what did we say, Linda? It was, it, it's not, um, oh, because people were talking about the market being saturated and so forth. And I don't, and I don't agree. Because one thing that, that you need to know, there are 7 billion people in the world. And we were talking about a photography person that she knows. And someone told her she needs to she needs a reality check. And she needs to know that she can't make money at photography. And that, that the market is saturated and she's going to get lost and she's not facing reality. And it wasn't, that wasn't the problem. That wasn't the problem. The problem was this woman's limited thinking. Because you're trying to tell us out of 7 billion people that this woman can't make a living. Because you see the market as saturated. You're not even a fucking photographer, so how would you know? But you're going to put that limitation on someone else, and that's what you're communicating to them, that there are limits to what you can do, instead of saying, you know what? There's a pot for, there's a lid, what, how does it go? There's a pot for every lid or vice versa? The thing about it is finding your audience that's willing to pay and all that kind of stuff has nothing to do with a saturated ass market. It has to do with your limited thinking. If you take off the limits, then you can make the money that you want to make with the people that you want to make it with. And it ain't got shit to do with saturation because people are checking for you based on how you show up and how receptive they are. That's what, that's the one you can say. <laughs> how receptive people are to that is based on, like I say, the tone, the message, the language, the communication style the communication format, it all goes back to communication. All of those things play into how receptive people are to what you're saying. You guys, some of you guys have been here since, since Jason and I started. Some of you came in late, but some of you have stayed this whole time because you know what? There's a level of, you know what? I get it. You're receptive to what I'm saying and what Jason is asking and how you can apply it to your personal brand. If you cannot apply it to your personal brand, then it's not a thing for you. I'm a big ass proponent of, you know what? Take what you need and throw the rest in the trash can of your memories. Because if it does not fit you, trying to apply it is going to make your job hard. And it's going to turn what you love into a freaking nightmare. Because everybody's told you, oh, well, you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to do this. Which takes me all the way back to contemplation. Sitting in your shit and finding out what you really want. Is that what you wanted? And just because they told you that's the only way to get it, is that it? Contemplation works all the way through this whole process. Sitting in your shit and understanding, how do I want to communicate? How do I want to be respected? How do I want to be transparent? You get to own all of those things on your, on your, on your, what's the word I'm looking for? On your level, on your basis, based on your rules. Because how you play the game of personal branding, sweetie, everybody's rules are different. Trying to follow somebody else's rules, you're playing their game, not yours. 
Now, if you take a rule from this person and a rule from that person and you mix it up and shake it up and make it do what it do for you, sweetie, then you find who's receptive to that game that you're playing. Who's going to respect that game? And then being transparent about it, about this is how I play. If you don't want to play how I play, go make your own game. Roll up out of here. Kick rocks. That's that thing. So transparency, respect, and being receptive, that's a form of communication. It all works for you. It all works for you. So there you go, Jason. That was an incredible answer. I appreciate you sharing that. So so the quote which you were referring to, I think uh, it's there is a lid for every pot. I think that's the one. There you go. Were, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that that is incredible. I want to let the people know uh, who are listening to us live on LinkedIn. I want to let you know that we would open up this space for Q&A. I know, uh, you know, Phyllis and me, we have discussed quite a lot of things. So please make notes. So if you have anything specific, uh, you know, I will let you know when to come up. I want to actually uh, complete, uh, you know, a few few other questions uh, before we move on to Q&A. So I want to actually okay. head into the next one, which is building up your audience for your personal brand. And mm-hmm. you speak about the concept of having like a healthy brand ego. Now, mm-hmm. the part which uh, is, you know really stood out to me, it's about the idea of being authentic, you know, having a personal brand. And mm-hmm. I want to know that, you know, how can you like project confidence without being arrogant? Uh, in this pursuit of building like not only a meaningful connection with your audience but also building up your brand like you know you do it very well but you know how would that apply to others you know what um depending on your communication style if we're talking about not coming off as arrogant and i don't know how to be arrogant I, i'm i'm just not that person and that probably stems from me being insecure for most of my life but the the Sometimes people just take assertiveness as arrogance. And when we talk about building a personal brand and being self-aware, you know what the difference is. So if you're going to influence an audience, and like I say, there's an audience for arrogance. Some people want to, to parade their arrogance around, and there's an audience that wants to see that. But depending on what field you're in, arrogance may not be a thing. And I, we that's further down the line, so I'm trying not to tap into that. But understanding how how you want to be perceived and how you're making sure that this thing does does what it's supposed to do to resonate with the audience, sweetheart, you have to make your shit interesting. And if you don't know how to make it interesting, what is interesting to you may not be interesting to others. So I'm I'm not, uh, say I'm not a science person, which I'm not, but I'm not a science person. But that doesn't mean that I can't find someone interesting to listen to about science because some kind of way they've made it they've communicated to me where dang that's some i did not know that and you want to hear more and so understanding how do you engage and how do you attract and because we've all been we've been digitally socialized a lot of us don't know how we attract other people because we're not out in the world attracting the world has told us to step the fuck off and so we don't know how to attract Flirting used to be a thing. You're getting picked up and y'all know, I don't know how old some of y'all are, but Mac Daddies used to be a thing. Do know how to Mac you up and take you home. But because we don't have those skills anymore, we have to start figuring it out. And even if we're doing it digitally, digitally, 
via Zoom or through your content or whatever, finding a way to make what you do interesting is based on what you bring, what kind of flavor you can bring to this. If you want to take some of the arrogance off of it, one of the things, like I said, I own, excuse me, I own being ghetto country, have no problem with it. I used to, but I don't anymore. But some people it's like, you know what? Let me talk about this because I can tie it to something else that I really love that I don't necessarily make money at. So I know Banya, Banya is a photographer. And so, but he's also a visual designer. He's the one that did my website. He's the him and Angela, him and Angela did my website. They did my book cover. They did my, and oh, Angela did all my cheat sheets, y'all. If y'all need y'all paperwork to look fly, y'all go call Angela. I'm sorry, Banya. I love you too, baby. <laughs> but she's an artist and he's a photographer. And so if she found a way to talk about design and tie it to art, and she begins to create this love language between art and design, and she's sitting here and she's painting and how she's communicating the palette and the colors and the the canvas and all of this stuff and tying it to design. There are other artists that are going to tell you, you know what, I'm an artist and I need need to up my, my brand game, my visual identity as far as my brand is concerned. So they'll be attracted to her because she's tied art to this thing. She's not trying to make money on her art, which that's a whole nother conversation for me and her, but she's not necessarily trying to make, make an audience for her art. She's trying to connect with other artists because that's who she wants to attract. And so she speaks their language. I'm doing design work, but I'm talking about it in an artistic work, in an artistic way. Vanya, Vanya does, like I said, he's the whole shadow leader in the stuff that he does and how he does photography. So if he talked if he talked about design based and because he wanted to do branding for photographers, then he could bring it in because they would be interested. It's like he understands brand and he understands what the fuck I do. Oh, it's all on and popping. It's a thing. Miss Alex down there, she does her whole thing with with spice. And spice is not talking about the spices that we put in our food, but it's her acronym for something. And how she talks about it and how she can make it interesting. It's like, you know what? If this, if this, if this thing were a spice, then what would it be? If we talk about intermittent intermittent fasting based on a spicy kind of deal, what would that look like? And so, but again, it depends on who she's trying to attract. Because I know that I know cooks, coaches, and creatives, because I've done all of those things. When I talk about service-based business owners, so if I'm talking to a restaurant owner, I can talk front of house, back of house, I can talk staff, I can talk ghosting, I can talk all of that shit because I have that background. I could talk about coaching because before I got to being a brand strategist, I was a, I was a business coach. And because I've owned a business for multiple years, for like two decades now, I can talk about entrepreneurship. I can talk about finances because what a lot of people don't know is I have a degree in personal finance, which is my why my daughter started investing at nine. And if I want to do all of these things, I don't bring all of that to the table. What I want to talk to is service-based business owners who do this thing, who have shiny object syndrome, who are trying to put everything out on their plate. And some of us, like I said, we don't want to brand out loud. We just want to fucking brand. So I don't need to bring my whole life to the kitchen table in order for you to know, like, and trust me. You don't need to know everything about me. You need to know if I can do this thing for you. And so to, to, to have that level of influence without being arrogant, sweetheart, some people are going to think you're arrogant anyway because you are bold enough to start a business. It does not matter. Because they're fucking scared. Again, we can go back to, to Linda's Linda, my conversation with Linda earlier. 
the woman she was talking about, oh, I have a job and I make a lot of money. I just do entrepreneurship on the side. Then how are you going to talk to somebody who's trying to be a full-time employee? You will squelch anyone's dream because you don't know what it means to be a full-time employee. I've been rocking ownership of my business since my daughter was two. I have seen the hard times. I know what they look like. I, 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 one thing, I, I've never missed a meal, but trust and believe. A bitch actually thought about it. I didn't lose my house, but I damn near did. That is some hardship stuff that people are willing to do in order to fulfill the dream that they have for their business. But someone who's doing that part-time shit and, and actually relying on a job more than they're relying on their business, they can't have a conversation with you because they're going to limit your thinking instead of taking the, take off the chains, free yourself and say, there are no limits to who I can serve and all that stuff. And with, I'm not talking about niching, but you get to take the limits off of what you want and why. And again, we go back to contemplation. That's why my whole process, let's sit in this shit. What do you actually want? Well, I want to make a lot of money. Why? Because I'm tired of being broke. Why? We can keep going to why till you, you run out of answers because we need to sit in this shit and figure out, okay, if this is what you want, then how can we bring this to the story? How can we wrap all of this up? How can we communicate in a way that attracts the folks so you get this thing that you actually want? Because a lot of people, what I'm finding, a lot of people want to be remembered. And that's the thing. They don't even want to own the fact that I want to be remembered. I want somebody to remember me when I'm gone which is why a lot of people name their business after themselves. I get it. But I want you guys to think about all the hospitals that you've ever been in, if you've been in the hospital, the libraries and whatever. The people who have their names on a wing, who have their names on a library, who have their names on a park bench, on a stone in the ground, they did all of that because they wanted to be remembered. And you know why nobody remembers them? Because they don't know their story. Because they made it about a personal ego and not about a brand ego. It was never about business. It was about being remembered. If you tell me why you want to be remembered, then we can get to a deeper level of how you're going to build this personal brand. Because you're going to be remembered for something and someone's going to continue to tell your story. My daughter and I watched Hamilton multiple times. We just watched it again last week. And the one of the songs is about who's going to tell the story. There's nobody left behind to tell it because you did not leave enough of it behind for people to tell. So it's not about arrogance. It's like, okay, I wanna be remembered for this thing because I wanna change something in the world. That's the thing you work on putting out there to be remembered, to, to not take it to an arrogant place and to resonate with an audience. Take it off of you and put the ego on the brand. The brand knows what the fuck to do. It knows how to show up. It knows how to send out a clear message. It knows how to communicate. It has its own level of identity, which is why the ego is so strong. I'm still my insecure self, but I am very secure in how I do business and how I operate and who I want to work with. I get to own all of that. So in I'm a, this last point, you guys can stop talking about authenticity because here's the thing about authenticity that very few people understand. Authenticity is for you. If you want to be your authentic self, sweetie, that's all you. And, and a, nobody really gives a shit how you want to show up. They just want to know that when you show up, is it going to be a thing? The thing that you want to lean into most is being genuine with the audience that you want to attract. 
You know how to be you, the best person that you know how. You know how to show up the best way you know how. You know what you need to bring to this game, and it's not the kitchen sink. But then you have to learn to communicate genuinely because I'm cool with me. I don't never have to speak about my authenticity again. I'm cool with all of this. But what I need to do is make sure that I have genuine communication that connects and resonates. So stop leaning so much on authenticity and learn how to be genuine. And you know how to have a genuine conversation. You know how to be an active listener, especially for my coaches out. If you don't know how to listen, don't think about being a coach because that's, oh, that's the biggest part. But it does not have to come from a level of arrogance. It's like, it's just the fact that I'm good at what I do. But let's not dwell on that. How can I help you? How can I be of service? How can I nurture you through this thing? That's when you take the arrogance off. And for all of y'all that are already here, and Brian and Kaz and Vanya and Linda, all of y'all, one thing I do want you to do, I'm not going to look at any of your bios, but I want you to find a better word than help. People know how to help themselves and they know how to find help. You need to bring them something stronger. What I do is I nurture brand babies. That's my thing. But what you do is something other than help. And if you start seeing your seeing that that phrase through your eyes, it's going to change how you start to put out content. You know, I'm not here to help you. I'm here to change you. I'm here to 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 focus on you. I'm here to to lean into into you. Whatever your your word is. Because you do more than help. And if you see that you do more than help, Again, this affects, this affects your mindset. It's like, I'm not here to help. I'm here to change. And so now I see the value that I bring. And again, this leans back into the brand ego, not the personal ego. And I'm going to get off that soapbox now. <laughs> <laughs> that was incredible. And that was very, very powerful. You know, a common theme. And I just want to let the audience know who are listening to us, all those 16, 17 individuals. We will open up the space for Q&A. Please raise your hand so that I can bring you up. I, ha- I found a common theme uh, across all those individuals who are talented. They generally have like a black and white picture. Did you notice mm-hmm. that? I mean, all those individuals like Angela, Vanya, <laughs> myself and you... And, and Matt, I think Cass also, we all have these, even Brian, you know, we all have this black and white picture. Do you think that might could mm-hmm. be a thing that, you know, people who it have, could be a thing. it could be a thing. <laughs> and here's something else that, that, because I've, I've been studying communication and language uh, a little more since I've started doing this. But one of the things that, that people don't know is that your right ear is connected to your left brain and your left ear is connected to your right brain. And depending on what you're trying to tap into, if you're trying to tap into the analytical, you might want to cover one ear because I forget which side is which. I think what right side is your creative side. Am I right, Jason? Is the I right have, brain? I, I have no idea. Like I'm not an okay, expert Okay, well, let's in just that. say it is. And if I'm wrong, <laughs> you guys know I'm wrong and y'all can go and correct it. But if you're trying to re- tap into your right brain, you're trying to tap into your creative side, then cover your left ear and just listen with your, with your I mean, sorry, Cover your right ear and just listen with your left because your left ear is connected to the right side of your brain. If you're trying to be more analytical and you want that left side, then you, you want to cover your right ear so that, am I saying it backwards? I think I'm saying it backwards. You cover the opposite ear of the brain that you're trying to, to activate. And this is going to help you. When we talk about listening, active listening, 
then cover the opposite ear of the brain part that you're trying to 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 get to to activate and only only listen with the side that you're trying to engage and like i said because the opposite ear to the opposite side of the brain just do it and y'all come back and tell me how how it impact you because i know that sometimes you need to be analytical you're a business owner you need to be analytical sometimes Sometimes you got to step out of the feelsies and all that kind of stuff and, and step away from your heart's desire. And I need to be analytical about this. So just listen. When you're listening to a discovery, just listen because you need to be analytical. So cover that other ear so that you can activate the right side of the brain. Cover that other ear so you can activate the left side of the brain. Just do that. And I promise you, you're going to see a difference in how you operate, especially if you start writing shit down you're going to see that there's going to be a difference. Like, let me just listen to this on this side and see what happens. So go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> I'm going to try this idea out. Okay, so guys, you know, when you attend uh, any of your Zoom meetings, okay, keep covering whichever end of the year or brain you want to process. That would be really, that would look really funny. Okay, mm-hmm. imagine you going to a meeting and doing that. They would be like, what the fuck yeah. are you and doing? Yeah, and all you got to do is kind of <laughs> lean, your, lean your face on your chin and put your finger in your ear. <laughs> Nobody sees your thumb in your ear, but you're, they think you're just leaning. All right, so I don't know. Is is Okay, I, I, you know, Cass sent me a message. She was like, Jason, after an hour into the show, you're telling us to make notes? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. And you know the boring reference you made? Okay, Phyllis, tell me honestly. Were you making that boring reference directly to Cass? Did you mean (laughs) Cass was boring by any chance? I felt, yes, I'm totally agreeing to her message. Like, you know, I thought that reference was directly at her. Would you agree to me or no? I would say it was not. But see, and it's probably because I worked with Cass. But, um... Listening to Cass, um, I'm not big on ethics and all that kind of stuff. And she's big on policies and procedures. And I could give two fucks unless I actually have to call her to ask about policies and procedures. Um, But I find her voice more soothing than boring because she just has this calm, mellow tone to it. Um, I would love to hear her read poetry or something like that. But boring policies and procedures are fucking boring to me. Yes. Cass, no. So there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's actually hear from Cass with her meditative voice. Cass, please speak. Come on, don't Cass. Do don't do that. Don't do you do know, that. Jason is very mean. <laughs> He's been very mean to me oh, in the back channel oh. messaging. <laughs> so mean. I'm sorry, Jason, that you're recording this and it's going to be picked up, but people need to know. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Uh, you know, anything works. You know, love, hate, everything works. Everything works. How you been, Cass? Like, how have you? I've been, been so busy, but it's good because um, I'm going on holiday soon, so I'm not going to complain. Cass, tell me what you got out of this conversation so far. Uh, that I felt like I was being picked on today. Seriously? I felt, yeah, I felt that the boring was aimed at me because my topic is not exciting. No one 
finds it as um, essential until everything goes wrong and then they want an instant solution. I'm talking about how to get along. I'm not telling you to hug a tree. I'm not telling you to hug your employees or your co-workers or anything like that. I'm just saying be very clear with what you are doing. And nobody wants to hear that because everything's, they're earning a bit of money, everything's ticking along, they don't need to do that. I'm selling something that they just don't need until they do need it. So Here's I like the, thing, the fact- hmm? Here's the thing, everybody needs what you offer and including me, because I, you, we've had sessions together. Cas does, and you guys that don't know, Cas does policies and procedure work. Uh, making sure that you have the right policies in place, but she makes it kind of fun. Um, you don't need to sell it to me. I know. I'm not selling it to you. I'm thinking out loud, first of all. But, 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 but here's the thing. Like when you do a lot of stuff on policies and procedures, you said people find it boring. Why do you think they find it boring? Because they don't see an immediate need. If they are making money, okay, then how something can you is make coming them in. Um, I missed that. But I was saying if something, if money is coming in and they're able to cover at least their overheads Mm -hmm. and they're still working like 24 hours of the day, they feel that they don't need to fix anything. It will get better by itself, which is ridiculous. It's not going to get better. You're going to keep on doing that. And then you get frustrated with the people around you because you then turn around and say that they're useless they're not useless. You have to take some kind of accountability and responsibility as the person who is supposed to be the leader. Okay. And you are a leader. You don't need anybody else to tell you that you're a leader. You're the leader of your own business. So please stop relying on others to fix your problems. Sit down, think about it first, like you've been talking about the contemplation. This is, I, you know, I've told you before that the branding is all sexy. And you get them all riled up, you know, they get all excited. And then I say, okay, let's try and cement that so you can remember. And they think, nope, nope, mm. nope, you're killing the mood. Uh-huh. Uh, so here, here's the thing, Cass. If if people think policies are boring, how can we make how can we make policy sexy? How about me and you jump on a session and we talk about it? Are we going to talk about that or everything else in between? Because I've got notes, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. She's writing notes all this time. I'm telling you, Cass is no joke. She may be all the things, mellow and all that, but she is no joke. Because here's here's another thing. Because one of my clients actually needs your services because I'm I'm working on their... their, and for you guys that don't know, there's a level of my services that go a little higher than just branding and marketing and content. But one of the things that I'm working on is their onboarding and offboarding processes and trying to understand understand that and get them a workflow going. So I do need to bring you in on that particular client. But the other thing is, is like, like I said, let's have a conversation on how we can make this shit a bit, a bit more sexy. And especially if you feel like your communication is what it is. Maybe there's something that needs to be tweaked and being the whole ethical strategies in the humming sessions and all of that kind of stuff that we tie together that brings some sexy to policies. Because I do listen to you on occasion. I follow you on TikTok. So I hear your comments and your commentary. But if you feel like you're boring people, then what can we do not to bore people? And like I say, boring was your word, not mine. 
I just said no. some people are fucking boring. I didn't yeah, necessarily see? say you. That's what you said. And but it, I didn't say you. And then, like I said, you, I my... and you, you said something else on the, some of the section. <laughs> um, if it hits, then I, I threw a rock and it hit you. I got it. I got it. Yeah. So but... it hit. <laughs> if anybody else down in the in the comments, does anyone else feel like their stuff is a little boring? Give me a thumbs up right quick. Anybody got brave enough to put up a thumb? Or no. you think you as sexy as all get out? Okay. Okay. Linda talking about her shit is boring. That's because Linda won't let some yeah. Linda's fine, y'all. But and and see, and this is my perception. She gets to control this narrative, even though I'm I know Linda. Linda is my accountability partner. And even though I know Linda and I know she's not boring, the way we communicate our brands and our marketing can come across as boring. And so how you spice that up is up to you. And that's part of what becomes the personal brand. And this is why I say you cannot be a brand. And um, because if you're a brand, then you bring the boring shit. And it's not what you wanted to bring to the table. If you know what is not boring about what you do, and it can't be exciting to you. You can't make you can't look at your customers through your eyes. If you know what's not boring to you, that's fine. But if you under, understand your audience well enough, and I think Shree talked about this because I was talking about activating brands. But if you understand how not to be boring about something that you're passionate about, then it changes the game for not only you, but for the people who need it. Because, like I said, I know people need cast. They need to know about policies and procedures, terms and conditions, privacy policy. And she has a legal mind to understand that stuff because she understands she, she loves legal. But people who are not into the legal realm, they're not going to check for this. They're not going to understand that, trust me, a refund policy is a necessity. Because when somebody comes at you and you're not ready, you done spent their money already. Trust and believe you're gonna to have to reference that 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 uh, refund policy, and that's one of her biggest things that she goes to with people. It's like, let's check out your refund policy because if you got to get some money back, you better be sure that you want to give some money back. My refund policy is I don't give fucking refunds. You just don't have to come back the next month, and that's my policy. It's a little clearer than that, <laughs> but that. that is so cool. Like you know, you're not gonna get and your it, money back. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we can finish this out. And this is why, also, I have a pledge. I, if y'all want to see my pledge for my clients, I have a pledge. I don't have a contract. Because the way I do services, even though I say we work 9 to 12 months, sweetie, we, you pay month to month. When you, If you don't want to come back next month, that's on you. I'm not trying to hold you hostage. And so how I communicate that, people say, always tell you, you know, a part of your marketing and branding, you have to have a guarantee. And some people offer a money-back guarantee when you know people will take advantage of it. They get all your goodness and like, oh, this is not what I thought it was. I want my money back. Bitch, please. No, that is, that's not happening. Because you already got and you consumed everything. It's like when I was in when the restaurant business. Somebody came back with half a hot link sandwich. You done ate half the sandwich and you really think I'm going to give you something else? You done lost your fucking mind. I know you're not serious. Because people will take advantage of a bad return policy. They do not understand that, that you know what? No, you can't have this back. You, you've consumed this. We can finish out and you don't have to come back next month. That's the guarantee. Satisfaction guaranteed. If you are not satisfied, kick rocks. That is your guarantee. I am not going to say that you have to stay with me the whole nine to 12 months to get this shit done. I'm saying the guarantee is if you don't find value in this month, then don't come back next month, period. Whatever your guarantee is, is your guarantee. 
but also understand that no, I do not give refunds because what I offer is not a tangible thing. It's not something you can return to me. You've been taking month, you've been taking notes for the last six hours. You can't return that information to me. So no, there are no refunds on this. But what I can guarantee you is that I am not going to hold you hostage. I'm not even going to take you to court to pay me the rest of my money because you're paying me month to month. You can leave. Have a nice life. And I see people leave me. And I, no shame, no shame. I see people leave me and try to go off with the first two or three months that we, or no, max two months that we work together. And they are still so fucking basic because they did not stay for the rest of it. They thought they, oh, well, I'm going to get over. I'm only going to do a month. And then I'm going to go out and I'm going to do all the things. Go ahead, baby. Because I, I still follow you. I still see your content and your shit is still raggedy. But you thought that you was gonna you were getting away with something. More power to you. Because my other policy is that once I fill your spot, you can't come back until there's another vacant one. Because I limit myself to how many clients I take at one time. Because if I get a lot of bratty brand babies, sweetie, I ain't got a lot of time for a hundred of y'all. I got time for 10. That's it. All right. I'm done. Um, Jason. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. I have Aaliyah on stage as well. So Aaliyah, thank you so much for coming on stage. All those individuals who are actually listening to us, I the reason I recommend you to come on stage, irrespective of where, which part of the world you are, uh, what you speak, how you speak, it does not really matter. When you come on stage, we get to know who you are as a person. The listeners would be able to know who you are as a person. I tag you. We can not only increase our engagement, we can build more connection, deeper, meaningful connection with one another. That's the reason I encourage people to come on stage. So I appreciate Matt and Aliyah. Thank you so much for joining uh, the stage. Aliyah, do you have a question or would you like to have fun and just chit chat with us? Say hi. Or would you like to come I'm to always having fun. I'm not boring, so I couldn't put a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I like to tell people I'm this ray of sunshine. You just see me glowing everywhere I go. So, you know, it's kind of hard. Um, mm -hmm. to hide my personality. I think it's the East Coast thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, like city people are like very like upbeat. I kind of got like the East Coast and a little bit of the Southern charm. So I got okay. a bit mixed. Okay. Um, what do you say with uh, like with people and doing the payments, like you saying, month to month, you have a mm -hmm. lot of clients that they will pay you via Stripe and in those terms. And, you know, they have up to six months. Do you have any advice that you give to people um, when they get involved into those types of situations? You mean where Stripe will give them back money and come and get you for the money because somebody yes, asked Stripe for a refund? Yes, ma'am. Uh, um. Depending on, depending on who the company is, it, you can send them your terms showing your ref, your refund policy, but then you can also show them proof that you, you because most of the times, depending on why they, they want their money back, if they're just saying, I'm not satisfied or she didn't give me what I asked for, if you record your sessions, this is what I gave them. And because you, you, you perfected your process, like this is my process and this is where we were in the process and these are the things. And then you can send them the video content or the transcripts or whatever. And because you could be, if you're disputing the, the chargeback, because that's what it is, a chargeback. If you're disputing it, then you send them the content, your framework and your refund policy. 
then that should be enough to go get your money back. Okay. Yeah. Okay? Please get in touch with Cash. She will help you make that refund policy. Even though it's yeah. boring, but still. Oh, you got to work on, look, you got to work on my brand too. I'll be in touch shortly. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I, I don't... feel like I do got to work on the, the line between the two sides. And here's the thing about you. You know how you said you, you're a ray of sunshine and all that kind of stuff. Believe it or not, there's the people put off by the rays of sunshine. When being in the restaurant business, you have any and everybody walking up to your counter. And the thing about it, depending on who you want to, to do business with, you know who to tell to walk away and who, who to keep. If I have somebody walking up and I know I just made a, like one of the things I'm like, if you want to taste, you got to drop it like it's hot. And I would have people dancing in my shop and all of that kind of stuff. And they would get brisket. And then you will see somebody walk in and they got their resting bitch face on. My, my whole personality would change. You know what? Let's get this, this person their food and get them up out of here. And so if you know that, that you're not necessarily going to turn the business away, but your demeanor has to change, then part of what should be in your brain, you're like, you know what? When you come in here, we like to have fun. And if I, and we talk about food, fun, and uh, our thing was food, family food and fun or whatever it was. And if you're not fun, we're going to serve you without a smile and we're going to kick, here, take your food and go. Because we're giving you back the energy that you're giving us. But just trust and believe. There are people that don't want rays of sunshine. They want some serious shit. They want, they want measurable shit. Especially with you being a, a business consultant. Because you don't offer something tangible per se. They want to know what type of re results are you going to get me. And because I don't want to work with somebody that that's fucking serious. And, and just, you know what, I'm not doing that. So my thing is like, you know, what? I don't think we should work together. I had someone tag me on a post. This was a different post. And it's like she was asking for interesting people to connect with. And I told the person, I commented on, I replied to her. I said, I don't think I'm her cup, cup of tea because she says she doesn't want people who cuss. I said, but I, I appreciate her for setting a clear boundary on that. And she came back to me. She said, oh, no, I love a good potty mouth. It's based on the industry that I'm in and who I work with that I have restrictions. I'm like, oh, okay. See, her message was not clear, but she had to clear it up. She had to control the narrative. And so now she and I are connected because my thing was, I'm not going to connect with somebody that goes against and, and go against what they said they wanted. That doesn't make sense. So understanding who you want to work with and why and how it all gets wrapped up in there together. So. Perfect. All right, sweetie. Yeah, you said drop it like it's hot. You remember that song by Snoop Dogg? Yes, and that's what I used to do. That's what I used to do. We had this hot sauce we used to have. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Please listen yeah. to that track. That was really cool. <laughs> I see Matt down, uh, you know, who joined our conversation. So before we wrap yes. things up, Matt, how are you? How is church? So nice to hey, see you. Hey, Jason, how you doing, man? You got me wiggling in my chair with that song. <laughs> <laughs> I had my, my finger hovering over the boring button earlier, but uh, Cass taught me that because I'm an East Coaster, I didn't click it because I am interested. <laughs> you, guys, you guys are are teaching this brand fetus some stuff, and I'm very happy. All right, so I'm going to hear Phyllis's reaction to this name, but please don't react to the name. Just okay. help me out with the question. Okay. So Gary V. Mm -hmm. posted something i think it was like last week or a week before that said if you don't have social proof 
you have to make people like working with you. Now, my question is, if you are a brand fetus, if you are trying to get something off the ground, is it better to make yourself more known, liked, and trusted, or would it be better to try and develop that brand? If you don't have any social proof. If you have no social proof, and mind you, I'm one who lacks social proof, and that's because of how I choose to work. I don't do one to many, so you're not going to see a lot of stuff on my on my thing. So I'm there with the social proof. But if if you have no social proof, one of the things you need to do is build your audience. And a, what people, a lot of people don't tell you is that content strategy is a long game. If you're trying to be known quickly, like within the next three months, sweetie, that's advertising money. And a lot of us don't have advertising budgets. So when you go out here and you boost or whatever, that is you getting some, some instant awareness. And it's, on, it's only going to last as long as your shit is boosted. So if you're going to be well known, then the content that you put out in the content strategy game, it's going to take you a minute. If you do not have time to wait for the content game to kick in, you need to go get a fucking job. If you do not want a job, then you kind of asked out, sweetheart. But <clears throat> the no like and trust, I, I hate that whole KLT type vibe. If you know me, that's all I'm concerned about. If you like me, I really don't give a fuck. Because if you don't like me, I'm not trying to engage with you anyway. And to trust you is to get results. And the only way they're going to know if there's a result involved is if they've actually worked with you. So the only thing you need to concern yourself with at this point is getting known. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. That's great. So Yeah, that. I personally, I'm not a big fan of Gary Vee because I think whenever people ask him questions or he says something, he jumps from one thing to another. It just doesn't make sense to my brain. And that is, again, just my mm -hmm. personal opinion. I find him very confusing. And there's also another person who I find very confusing. I think his, his name is Dr. Peterson, Jordan Peterson something. Ouch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I will his say English... I, I his English is like way too much for me to process, you know, like he's Canadian. Yeah, yeah that's um, tough. Go ahead. Go ahead. Man. <laughs> but I did want to say, like, I, I've been following Gary Vee since probably like the, the dawn of the Internet. The guy was like running his dad's wine store or something like that. And mm -hmm. he, he does like he, he puts out so much that some of it has to be good. Right. And I think that's kind of what comes up to the top. But I just like I see him and I see I see everything he's putting out and some of it's really good. I, I do enjoy some of it, but it's like I want to meet that person who was like the stockroom clerk at the wine store. And I went his story. I want to know what he thinks of him. And that'll that'll settle me out. OK, now here's the thing. And this is this is for a lot of you now, especially if you're younger than I am. I'm 57. So if you're anywhere near younger, 10 years younger than me. The thing about a lot of the people that we see now who are the faces of the of the things that we want to be, they did it. They were early adopters to to because they already had the money to take over social media. They had the, the numbers and the clout already when social media came to the game. And so what you're trying to do is catch up to them. And that is not even your job. So somebody that already had money and had had the wherewithal to, to advertise because advertising is going the way of the dodo. But those who already had money and funds and the finances to do that, 
they are at the top of their game because they had the money to get to the top of their game. Because you're going to have to spend one or the other. You're going to have to either spend time or money to develop whatever it is that you're doing. And since they had the money, they're up there. They're 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 top of they're top of mind. Gary Vee was top of mind with his with his father's winery, but then he switched gears, and then he did his own thing, and now he has all these multiple businesses and so forth. But it started out with you know what I already had the money, and I had the wherewithal to jump on social media early. So everybody that came 10 and 20 years after they've already made more money, it's like, how do you do that? You started out with some fucking money. The rest of us that do not have the money, sweetie, you have to create the content and you have to create engaging content. That is content marketing. That is digital marketing. That shit is free to you. But in order to attract the audience, it has to be good content. You can't blame everything on the algorithm. I'm sorry. It's just not true. It's not the algorithm's fault. It's not shadow banning you. It's not doing any of those things. It's Goes back to what Cass said. You're fucking boring. No, Cass didn't say it. I said it. But it's 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 boring to the to the people that you probably want to attract. If you feel like your stuff is boring, then like I said, you need to learn how to lean into the boring and make it relevant. It's like, you know what? Let's do some boring shit today. And then talk about it and bring it to a level that they understand where it's not so boring anymore. I'm pretty sure people, I was surprised. I went to the gym and yes, I go to the gym on occasion. But I went to the gym and a woman asked me what I did. And I told her, I said, I do branding. She said, what is branding? I am shocked that in this day and age, somebody does not know what branding is. And it's, 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 it, it boggled my mind. But there are still people out there that don't know what you do. And I'm pretty sure if I tried to explain it to her, it would have bored the fuck out of her. Because I would have got all excited and got all up in my feelings. And my brand ego would have puffed up. And I would have told her all this shit. But she Phyllis. was not Hmm? Your your profile says Texas, so I'm surprised she didn't ask you about cows. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was actually in person, so she already knew I was in Texas. <laughs> but is the the thing the thing that that you bring in the flavor that you add, sweetie, boring or not, you need to find out what is not boring for you. And if somebody figures that what you talk about is boring, it's like, because you don't understand this shit. And then related to something. You know, one of the things that I wrote about my client getting his first, my client actually charged more for a consultation than I do. That's them, four times more than I do. And he, this was something that he was doing for free. He was going to doing these consults and showing up at people's houses and all that kind of stuff. He was doing this shit for free. And... I kept working with him and oh my God, it was like pulling teeth, but I love my brand. I love my brand babies. I promise you I do. But we finally got him to put it out there. So when the person came and this was a cold call, it took one conversation and it was part of us working on the, the branding of the onboarding that his person, he didn't even have to get on the phone, that his, his person that, that took the call swiped a card before she was even off the call because she knew her shit. She knew her game. She knew the game and the brand that we were trying to play up and he booked his first $4,000 consultation. And all he needs to do is go show up, listen, take some notes, take some pictures, give him a report and he's done for $4,000. That's it. And anybody who does not like what he does will find his shit boring, but somebody else was willing to pay him $4,000 for it. My consultations are only $1,000. So, Hey, he makes four times as much as I do on a consultation. That's some, that's some bold ass shit, especially to go from free to 4k. That's some bold ass shit. 
if it's God's bill, it's God's bill. Okay. And and this this um this is this is for him. I related that to a first kiss. And any of us, and I'm not talking about the first time you've been kissed ever as a teenager, but whenever you start a new relationship and you have that first kiss, he just started a new relationship with the consulting, and that was his first kiss. And every kiss that follows is not going to be the same, but it's going to be as sweet. And so then when he brings in another thing, when we move up to this $20,000 deal that we're talking about, this service for him, when he gets that first $20,000 kiss, trust and believe every kiss after is going to be just as sweet, but it will not be that first kiss because that first kiss changes your mind about what you're doing and who you're kissing. It changes your mind about if I want to continue this because a bad kiss, oh my God, no, let's stop this right here. But you know what? You can relate the boring shit to something that people understand. And that's why a lot of people try to get you on board with storytelling because you the stories make it relatable. It doesn't have to be your story. It just has to be a story. And it can be the story you tell all the time about, you know what? Let me tell you about your first kiss. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. This is what it sounds like. Cha-ching. So <laughs> <laughs> you get to have it. That's what I am. What are you, Cass? The first kiss. You're the first kiss. <laughs> yes. Hey, by Stop the laughing, way. Jason, because I know it's not for niceness. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to just acknowledge Linda actually who joined our conversation. We would be wrapping things up uh, quickly because I think we have reached a 90 minute. You know what? I wanted to actually do this show for 45 to 60 minutes. But, you know, for some reason, I, I just can't do it. You know, the time limit does not allow. And, and, you know, of course, the content which we are creating, that is one of the reasons why the show gets extended. So, I mean, Phyllis, if you wouldn't have been throwing these bombs... <laughs> then I would not have been extending this, you know. You know what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah. So I you are dropping bombs like back and forth again. Okay. So much to learn from you, like which each and every conversation. Like Jay, for example, he messaged me, like you know, we should do like ten parts series instead of six. No, maybe. we're stopping at six. <laughs> I'm trying to extend my shit. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, can I say there's only one left? There's only one left in this series. Yeah, there's Sorry. only one left. That is next week. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Cass. You know, you complete, and then I'll, I'll then I'll ask Linda to contribute or speak on this. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, Linda. Um, if after this we could have some kind of review and feedback session, that would what be the hell? You Cass, know, I always ask mic. for this. <laughs> I turn always off ask your mic for right it. now. <laughs> We, we will. I, will you, I will tell you something once once we get to Linda. We, me and uh, Jason are going to share something. We'll go ahead. Okay. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So, Linda, thank you so much for joining. I, a lovely picture with all the balloons. I think I, I had seen you before on my podcast as well. How are you? Please unmute yourself. And do you have a question? Would you like to contribute? Would you like to chit-chat? Tell us. Hi, everyone. I'm sorry. I'm just here for the party. <laughs> <laughs> throwing emojis i wasn't expecting to unmute myself i'm actually here cooking <laughs> sorry y'all <laughs> sorry sorry professionally cooking if i should say since we're on professionally thin my bad <laughs> that's all and right. like i said 
Linda is my accountability partner. So we have a conversation every Wednesday and we hold each other accountable. And if you don't have an accountability person, I do suggest you get one. A lot of times we shoot the shit, but we eventually get down to business. And it is so helpful to have someone who's also in business to help keep you on track. And it's not about, we don't pick each other's brain. We don't try and get shit for free from each other. It is just a matter of, um, it's just a matter of, you know what? What are you doing this week? And did you do this last week? And it's keeping you on task. So if you can find you an accountability person, sweethearts, I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. That, that is incredible. So go ahead, Phyllis, you know, let's wrap this conversation up. Tell tell my listeners, oh. what do we have in store and how you can serve <laughs> and help them further with your expertise? I am not doing a freaking recap, first of all. But the thing that we won't get to, we won't get to the last part of my book, which is how to play the game, P-L-A-Y, which is personality, language, archetypes, and yarn. Yarn helps tie it all together, but yarn also re- represents the stories that you tell. So the thing that I told um, Jason that I would do is I would do um, how to play the game workshop. If you guys want it, DM me. I will think of a, I will, just for y'all that are here, I will do, um, y'all know I don't do, I don't like doing cheap shit and I hate doing stuff that don't have at least two zeros on it. So what do y'all think is a fair price? 300, 200, tell me now. And you're already is, doing something for three ninety nine, right? Why go down? Like you already stepped. You want to go all three ninety nine? Yeah. Well, no, because see that that was that was something totally different. Okay, so explain so what's the difference. Because last week we spoke something else. So last week we were talking about um, we were talking about calm down, come back, clap back. We were talking about those. That is a whole different thing than what I'm talking about, which is how to play the game, so that you understand what personality plays in personal branding the language that you use, which goes back to communication, um, archetypes. If you n- understand how to filter shit through archetypes and make your, your, your content a lot more consistent and then how to, how to tie, get how to tie together, um, the yarn part of it with the storytelling and all of that kind of stuff. This is actually part of my whole framework and to actually do it in a workshop, what means you would get the very condensed version. It wouldn't be hands on, very hands on. We would do some work in it, but it would not be like what I do with my one-on-one clients where we break it down piece by piece by piece. So that's why I said, if y'all want a workshop on how to play the game, y'all let me know. You can send me a DM. And if you want to keep a secret of what you can afford to pay, if I think it's in the ballpark, I will do it for that amount. And if everybody has a different price, that ain't none of your business. Just let me know if you want to do it or not. And I'll, I'll see about making it happen. How about that? Does that, that work, that, Cass? That's a, the, I think I think Cass should be okay. Cass, is that okay? Can we move ahead? Yeah, she said a thumbs up. She said yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cass says yes. Okay. <laughs> a so, like yes. Said, you guys can DM me what you think you can afford to pay. And it has to have at least two zeros at the end. And I, I, I promise you, I will accept whatever you suggest for yourself because you know your pockets. And this is... This is only for people who are in the room. Anybody who's listening after the fact, if we set the date and people get in there before you can, then I'm sorry you're asked out. So just know. Yeah, just to make it easy, do mention Jason's podcast so that, you know, uh, Phyllis knows you're reaching out mm-hmm. after attending this specific uh, or listening to this mini series. So yeah. 
uh i know i want to wrap up today's session i, I think we went over and above beyond uh, the allotted time limit yeah Thank we're at an hour 45 this time shit more than an hour 30 <laughs> <laughs> But I thank you for making this, uh, you know, mini series a success. I thoroughly enjoy doing this with you, because every week, you know, we we talk something random, uh, sometimes you know, specific to the uh, topic. So it's like a mixture of everything. On top of that, to add more uh, value to things, you know, we have these lovely listeners who decide to come on stage and engage with us and make it even better. So I want to thank all the individuals: Aliyah, Cass, Matt, Linda. Thank you so much, lovely. Uh, you know, so see you guys join the conversation and contribute. Uh, you know, that really makes a lot of difference to the show. And next week we would uh, do the audience. I think we. I want to get into the audience, uh, the archetypes a bit. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. It, it's an indication that we went overboard with our time. <laughs> I also wanted you to speak on Beyonce. I think we can, will do it next time. Her story. Yeah. Because you had mentioned that, and then we would do a bit of marketing, and we will try to wrap up the mini series next week. So tomorrow, uh, next week actually would be our last episode. It's gonna be on Wednesday, twenty uh, second, twenty second mm-hmm. of November, twenty twenty three at three p.m. Eastern Standard Time. in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be super cool. So I want to thank you once again. Please take care of yourself. Have a lovely morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you're in the world. Uh, stay in touch. Uh, if you have not followed us yet, uh, please do follow us. Please don't follow just for the fuck of it. Only follow us if you like the content. Uh, that's what I always say. And uh, if you do want to be notified about uh, the podcast, uh, the weekly thing which we do, you can send me your email. I'll add you to the email list. Uh, or you can just click on the bell button on LinkedIn and you would get notified about the stuff which I put out, you know, especially uh, shows and everything else. Do you have any last thoughts, Phyllis, before we wrap up? Anything you'd like to say before we end? No, just, um, well, she said no and then kept talking. But yes, <laughs> um, be, if before you guys come to the last one on the 22nd, make sure you go listen to the first talk. If you're already here for this one, if you missed any of the other ones, go listen to the previous podcast on Jason's podcast. He's on Spotify and Apple check them out and then you might have some some last minute questions before we wrap this up um, on the final day so that would be my last bit of news awesome awesome thank you again guys please take care I want to play that disco queen song and end this not Beyonce but disco disco